Hello again, welcome back to another episode of The Dark Circle. In this one I have a true story about the Peterborough Ditch Murders, where a woman named Joanne Dennehy went on a 10-day killing spree and even attempted to attract victims from her prison cell. Then I've got three disturbing facts, including the origins of the chainsaw and a frog that is capable of killing up to 15 people. And to finish it all off, I've got a mystery about an 18th century ship that went missing, only to reappear 14 years later. So if any of that has your hairs raised, your spine shivering, your knees trembling, then lock the door, grab yourself a warm cup of goodness, and join me in the dark circle. Ooh. I want to play a game. There'll be food and drink and ghosts. And perhaps even a few murders. You're all invited. There are things that go bump in the night. And they mostly come at night. Mostly. Let's hope that if aliens do find us, they'll come in peace. We all go a little mad sometimes. This story is about a sadistic serial killer who murdered men for fun. Over 10 days in March of 2013, a woman named Joanne Dennehy murdered three men in England in what came to be known as the Peterborough Ditch Murders. After her first three murders, she had two failed murder attempts and she was arrested just days after the police uncovered the first body. After her arrest, she found love multiple times with other inmates, and she even attempted to attract more victims by writing letters from her prison cell. That's a little bit of a teaser for you, so let's get into it. Joanne Dennehy had a troubled life. She was born in St Albans, Hertfordshire in August of 1982. She left home at the age of 16 when she ran off with her boyfriend, 21-year-old John Trina. When Joanne got pregnant in 1999 at the age of 17, she was furious because she didn't want children. And as soon as her daughter was born, Joanne began drinking, using drugs and cutting herself. Her boyfriend at the time, John Trina, said she came out of hospital and the first thought she had was to get stoned. Despite this behaviour and not wanting any children, Joanne got pregnant again in 2005. John Trina later left her and took the children away from her and the toxic environment that she had created. She was cheating on him, self-harming and appeared to be a threat to his family. His choice to leave her would prove to be a wise one, but even he didn't know how far Joanne would spiral. After he left, Joanne moved to the city of Peterborough, where she met Gary Stretch, who was strongly attracted to her despite her problems. It's also alleged that she funded her addictions through sex work, which could have led to her hatred of men. But it wasn't until February of 2012, when Joanne was 29, that her problems would be brought to light. Joanne was arrested for theft and then admitted to a hospital for psychiatric treatment. During this time, she was diagnosed with antisocial disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder. Then, a little over a year later, Joanne Dennehy began her 10-day killing spree. Joanne began her murders with 31-year-old Lukas Slabazewski. The two of them had met in Peterborough just days before she decided to kill him. After drinking together, she took him to a house that her landlord owned and blindfolded him. Lucas told his friends that he was going to meet up with the woman he thought would be his new girlfriend. Instead, Joanne stabbed him in the heart and then put his body in a dumpster until she took her next victim. 
10 days after killing Lucas, Joanne killed one of her own housemates, 56-year-old John Chapman, in the same way that she had killed Lucas. Then a few hours later, she also murdered her landlord, 48-year-old Kevin Lee, with whom she was having an affair. She would then dispose of the bodies with the help of her accomplices. Gary Stretch and Leslie Layton would assist Joanne in transporting and dumping the victims in ditches. She would even put Kevin Lee's body in a sexually explicit position to humiliate him further. On the way back from dumping her last two victims, the trio drove west across the country to the town of Hereford, looking for more people for Joanne to murder. On the drive there, Joanne turned to Gary Stretch and said, I want my fun. I need you to get my fun. Joanne's accomplices claimed that they never wanted to help her but gave in to their fear. Despite the fact that Gary Stretch was over seven feet tall and towered over Joanne, he still held on to his story of being afraid of her. Once in Hereford, they came across two men, John Rogers and Robin Bereza, who were walking their dogs. Joanne stabbed Robin in the shoulder and chest, and then she stabbed John over 40 times. It was only by quick medical help that these two were able to be saved and identify her during her trial. Joanne Dennehy later said that she only targeted men because she was a mother and didn't want to kill other women, especially not a woman with a child. But killing men, she reasoned, could be good fun. Later, she told a psychiatrist that she developed a desire for more killing after she killed Lucas because she got a taste for it. Two days after Joanne murdered her landlord, Kevin Lee, his family reported him missing and he was eventually discovered in the ditch that Joanne dumped him in. Police identified Joanne as a person of interest, but when they went to question her, she attempted to go on the run along with Gary Stretch. After two days, the police managed to track her down and arrest her. Her arrest seemed to amuse her, and while being booked in, she laughed, joked, and flirted with the male police officer who processed her. While waiting for trial, the police found her diary with an escape plot that involved cutting off a guard's finger to use his fingerprint to fool the security system. She was placed in solitary confinement for two years until after the court proceedings had concluded. After pleading guilty to everything, Joanne was sentenced to life in prison and the judge ordered that she never be released. He said that this was because of her premeditation and lack of a normal range of human emotions. Joanne Dennehy is one of three women in the UK to be given a whole life sentence, along with Rose West and Myra Hindley. Gary Stretch was sentenced to life imprisonment with a minimum term of 19 years and Leslie Layton got 14 years. Joanne seemed to make the most of her imprisonment by finding love again in the form of her cellmate Haley Palmer. She tried to marry her in 2018 but Haley's family worried Joanne would put her in danger. That same year the lovers attempted to kill themselves in a failed suicide pact. After this Joanne pursued another romance with a different prisoner but as of May 2021 Joanna and Haley are back together. Even after Haley's release they still intend to get married. Joanne has also been writing letters to men as an attempt to draw in more victims, despite being imprisoned for the rest of her life. In 2019, Joanne was transferred to Law Newton Prison, the same place where English serial killer Rose West was being held. That is until Joanne made a threat on her life and prison officials moved Rose West for her safety. Joanne Dennehy is considered to be one of the scariest serial killers alive due to her lack of remorse, pleasure in killing, methods of murder and her absence of humanity. And that is the end of the story. I'll be honest, I'd never heard of Joanne Dennehy before I started doing some research.
I've heard of Myra Hindley and Rose West. We even studied them a little bit back in college, so I was, I was well aware of them. But I'd never heard of Joanne. It's interesting how she had some interaction with Rose West and even threatened her life. I think that shows just how unhinged Joanne is to threaten another serial killer's life. But yeah, she's still alive, still locked up, and hopefully always will be. Now let me know what you thought of that true story, especially listeners outside the UK. Have you ever heard of Joanne Dennehy or even the other female serial killers, Myra Hindley and Rose West? I'd be intrigued to hear your thoughts on it all, so feel free to let us know. You can DM us on Instagram at thetcircle.life, you can email us at team at thetcircle.life, or you can just send in a voice message by using the Anchor voice link. So feel free to use any of those options to get in touch. But next up, I've got some disturbing facts. Now, as always, I've got three disturbing facts. The first fact is... The body of a failed outlaw was used as a carnival attraction. A wannabe Wild West gunslinger called Elmer McCurdy spent the last year of his life as an outlaw. However, this was short-lived after he was killed in a drunken shootout with a sheriff's posse. He had an unconventional life followed by an unremarkable death. But his afterlife was far more interesting than his life. His preserved body was put on display in a travelling carnival and years later he was eventually assumed to be a mannequin. That is, until he was used on the set of the TV show The Six Million Dollar Man and his arm accidentally fell off during the shoot, revealing the bone and muscle and that he was actually a corpse and not a mannequin. I don't imagine the audience for that TV show were particularly pleased seeing a bit of exposed muscle and bone. But the outlaw did actually get to be famous in the end. He didn't get to be a really well-known and feared outlaw outlaw since he died quite quickly once he stepped into that life but he became quite famous after his death with people coming far and wide paying to see his body in the carnival so in a way he got to be famous just probably not in the way he wanted but there we are moving on to fact number two which is the golden poison frog has enough poison to kill 10 to 15 people The golden poison frog lives in the Pacific coast of Colombia and is considered one of the most toxic animals on earth, besides humans of course. The appearance of the golden poison frog is quite deceptive, as it is quite small and has an attractive bright yellow skin colour, but its skin is actually coated in a deadly poison called alkaloid toxin, and one milligram of this poison is enough to kill between 10 and 15 humans. The indigenous Embera people of Colombia have been using the frog's powerful venom for centuries to poison the tips of their blogon darts when hunting, and the medical research community has been exploring possible medicinal uses for the golden poison frog's toxin. They have already developed a synthetic version of one of the poison's compounds that has a promise as a powerful painkiller. I don't know about you, but I've never had an urge to pop down to a Colombian rainforest, so I think I'll be fine. As long as these frogs aren't on the loose and going around and killing people just for a laugh, I think I'll be fine. But I think it's quite interesting how there's a positive and a negative to everything. You've got people making poison out of a frog's toxin and coating their weapons in it, and on the other side, you've got these researchers trying to make a powerful painkiller from it. It's just interesting how the same thing can be used for negative and positive, to kill and to cure. But moving on to the final fact, which is... Two Scottish doctors originally invented the chainsaw for childbirth. The first chainsaw prototype was invented to be used in childbirth, though it was vastly different from the electric-powered ones that people use today. 
The first prototype was developed by two Scottish doctors in the late 18th century for the process of symphysiotomy. Symphysiotomy is a surgical procedure in which the cartilage of the pubic symphysis is divided to widen the pelvis for when the baby is trapped and there is no possibility of performing a caesarean section. The process was previously done with a knife which took a very long time and was very painful but this early chainsaw prototype was operated manually by turning a handle which moved the links of the chain around a guiding blade and it made the process much easier. Symphysiotomies are no longer performed in modern surgery with the process of childbirth now far safer and more advanced than it used to be. To be honest though, that still sounds really painful. Chainsaws are pretty scary, but I just think I've seen too many horror films with chainsaws to see them as anything other than death machines. But there we are, that's all three facts for today. I'll leave a poll underneath the episode on Spotify where you can vote for your favourite fact. Next up, I've got a mystery for you. Ooh. I hope you've been enjoying this episode so far. To finish it off, I've got a bit of a mystery for you. This mystery is about an 18th century ship named Octavius that went missing in the Northwest Passage in 1761, only to reappear 14 years later off the coast of Greenland. The Octavius set off in 1761 with a full crew, the skipper, his wife and his son. They made it to their destination in China without incident, dropped off their cargo and headed back to sea with England as their destination. However, as the seas were unusually warm, the captain decided to take a detour through colder waters on the way home. So he took to the Northwest Passage, which is the Arctic pathway north of Canada that connects the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans. At this point in time, the Northwest Passage hadn't yet been charged and nobody had completed a voyage through its waters, so the route was considered highly treacherous. Once the journey through the Northwest Passage began, the ship, its crew and its cargo would not be seen again for 14 years. On October 11th, 1775, a whaling ship named the Herald spotted a sailing ship, tattered and weather-worn, sails shredded, floating aimlessly near Greenland. After determining that it was indeed the Octavius, the captain of the Herald ordered a boarding party to search the vessel. The boarding party arrived on deck to find it deserted. They broke open the ship's hatch and scrambled down the ladder into the darkness below, where a terrifying sight met their eyes. They found the entire 28-man crew frozen to death in their quarters. In the captain's cabin, they found the captain seated at his desk, pen in hand, with the ship's logbook open on the desk in front of him. When they turned around, they saw a woman wrapped in a blanket, frozen to death, along with the body of a young boy. It's said that the boarding party was so freaked out that they grabbed the ship's log and fled from the Octavius, losing the middle pages of the logbook that had become frozen solid in the process. They arrived back on the Herald with just the first and last pages of the logbook, which were enough for the master of the Herald to determine at least part of the story of the voyage. It turned out that the captain of the Octavius had tried to navigate the Northwest Passage, but his ship had become imprisoned in the ice of the Arctic, and the entire crew had perished. The ship's last recorded position placed the Octavius 250 miles north of Barrow in Alaska. However, as the Octavius had been found off the coast of Greenland, 
It must have broken loose from the ice at some stage and completed its voyage through the passage to come out on the other side, where it met the Herald. The crew of the Herald were frightened of the Octavius and feared that it was cursed, so they simply left it adrift, and to this day, it has never been sighted again. So what do you think? Did the Octavius eventually run aground and sink, or does she still sail the high seas with a crew of skeletons at the wheel? Either way, imagine being a sailor in the 18th or 19th century. It must have been quite off-putting to hear about all these ships going missing and then turning up again several years later. To be honest, I think I'd find another job. But there we are, that is the end of the mystery. Let me know what you think. That is everything for this episode of The Dark Circle. Thank you for joining me. I hope you enjoyed it. Now, for anyone who wants more of The Dark Circle, there is currently a bonus mini episode up on our Patreon, and you can gain access to that for £5 or around $6. So if you want more, then feel free to check out our Patreon. And for anyone listening on Spotify, you can get involved by voting for your favourite fact in the poll underneath the episode. And for everyone else, if you would like to reach out to us for any reason, then you can DM us on Instagram at thetcircle.life. You can email us at team at thetcircle.life. And you can use the Anchor voice message link and speak your thoughts. So feel free to use any of those options if you want to get in touch. That is everything for today though. Now remember, stay safe, stay alive, and hopefully I'll see you next time. Goodbye for now. (laughs) 